Amen. Glory to God. Please go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word of God? Are you excited about the word of God? Thank you so very much for being a part of this service today. Thank you for coming. Um, everyone in person, thank you for being here with us. Those that are virtual, that are online with us. I want to speak a few powerful things, a few deep things that the Lord's been ministering to me lately um, that um, have a very strong depiction on our future and the things that the Lord has ordained concerning our future, corporately, individually. Hallelujah. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, go with me. Let's start here from Exodus chapter 7. Let's go from verse 1. Exodus chapter 7, from verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made you a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You will speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of this land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. I want you to notice God said there in verse 1, the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made you a God to Pharaoh. I have made you a God to Pharaoh. God, mo- God made Moses a God unto Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth. In spite of all of Moses' expressed shortcomings and limitations. God said, I have made you a God to Pharaoh. You know, he expressed a lot of these limitations. If you read in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says Moses started out this chapter by expressing some of his shortcomings and limitations. Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. That is, I am not believable nor hearken unto my voice. I don't have the courage, the statute. I don't have the power. I don't have the audacity in my appearance. They, they, they probably listen to somebody more important, somebody who seems to carry a little more weight, somebody who seems to have a little bit more stuff about them. But Father, you know I don't have that. They will not listen to me. And, 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 you know, uh, later on, when, when, when God uh, um, prepared him and got everything he needed available to him, he said to God, he says, you know, I'm even a stammerer. I can't even speak straight. Like when I speak, I can't complete my sentences. At a point in time, God got so upset with him. God said, who is it that made your mouth? Who is it that gives you words? See, God was all the while trying to point his attention, not to him, but to God. God is trying to show him, when you are in partnership with me, you and I share equality. There is something about me that rubs off on you 
regardless of the shortcomings and the weaknesses that you bring to the table. Eventually, God asked him, he said, Moses, in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 3, he said, what is that, verse 2, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, it is the rod. The rod, I want you to realize, is representative of the word of God. It's representative of God's mandate. The rod, every time God gives a rod, every time people are given a rod, it's a scepter. It, it signifies how you rule, how you exercise and execute dominion in your area of jurisdiction. And God said to Moses, what's that in your hand? He said, a rod. He told him, throw it on the ground. And God was trying to show him that rod is no ordinary rod. That rod represents my power, my authority, my dominion. And then in verse 17, the Bible says right here, God said to him, and you will take this rod in your hand wherewith you will do signs. The rod of the word of God. When the word of God comes to you and you fully believe the word, the word of God, when it becomes flesh in you, when it becomes so tangible, when it's not just perceived, when it's not just heard, when it's just not heard about, but when it is actually flesh and it becomes tangible in your life, the word of God will put you in the God class. Your command of the word and the dominion that you are able to execute by the word of God determines your placement in the God class. You remember in John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible talking about the Lord Jesus Christ initially told us about the glory of God that will be manifest through Jesus, but then extended that glory to man. The Bible says there in John chapter 1 and verse 14, he says there, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This was the same glory that God by himself commanded. God himself is the author of glory. He is the God of glory. And we see how, um, how amazed the angels were in Psalms 8, the 8th Psalm. They were so amazed that this God of glory, this God who is the author, who is the inhabitor, this God who is the possessor, this God who owns all glory, can actually take that glory and put it on these beings. He says right here in the 8th Psalm, and from verse 2, he says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you might steal the enemy and the avenger through a class of people that are upon the earth. God wants to steal the enemy and the avenger. Hallelujah. There is coming a time when God's people will show up and speak. And Satan would not know the difference between whether it was God himself who was speaking or whether it was human beings. He says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. And then he said in verse 3, when I consider your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you have visited him? For you have made him a little lower than God himself. You see angels there, but the word there is Elohim, is God himself. Actually, you see one of the scriptures we're going to read in verse in Psalm 82 here. God himself actually refers to man as El. El is a part of God. You know, you've heard about Elohim. You've heard about El Shaddai. You've heard about El Elyon. You've heard about some of these, some of these words that depict God. That's... When you say the almighty God, you are saying El Shaddai. The El is the first part of that word. God himself, in Psalm 82, used that word El, E-L, to address man, his people. Hallelujah. And we're we're going to get to read it in a minute. But I want you, if you can, try to, I'm sure we'll have this by tape so you can go listen to it. Afterwards, try to get as much as you can. Don't be distracted. You see, we have rearranged the order of the service so that the, the, the word of God can be front and center right here. This is the most important. After our praise and our worship, our, all of that, this right here, this moment, this is the exhibition of the power of God right here in this service. So it's front and center. And, and so you have all the opportunity. You are not tired. We haven't been jumping and dancing and running up and down. We haven't, you know, we, you are very fresh. You have the freshness. And we have designed this service so that you can have the freshness of mind, the freshness of spirit, and the freshness of your body to receive everything that God says. Now, you won't receive it all in this one service. And I encourage you to go back and listen in, in a, lot, a lot that the Lord is going to utter. But at least get the seed and let that seed continue to grow. Hallelujah. The word of God, the word of God, when you receive that word and when it becomes flesh, when it becomes flesh, it manifests the glory of God. It manifests the the glory of God. It says, you have made him lower than Elohim and you have crowned him, watch this, you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. This is Psalm 8. And verse 5 and 6 here, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. You have put all things. It's not talking about God. It's not talking about angels. It's talking about man. The man that God fashioned in the garden of Eden that then became regenerated through the God man. The fourth man. Hallelujah. That man is the man that God is talking about here. He says, you have put everything under his feet. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. This is exactly what the Lord was saying to Moses. When God said to Moses, I have made you a God to Pharaoh, God was saying to Moses, I've crowned you with glory and honor. I I, I have crowned you with glory and honor. I've put everything from Pharaoh, who is the most important man in this nation, in this civilization, in this world right now, to all the realms of Egypt, all the principalities and powers, I have given you dominion over them. Your command of the word of God 
and the dominion that you are able to execute by the word of God determines your placement in the God class. It is possible, I want you to listen to this, it is possible to have such an exaggerated command of the word of God in your life that when you speak, Satan cannot tell if it's you speaking or if it's God speaking. I want you to listen to that one more time. It is possible to have such an exaggerated command of the word of God in your life that when you speak, Satan cannot tell the difference whether it's you speaking or whether it's God speaking. They took issue with Jesus in John chapter 10 that he described himself as the son of God, the religious leaders of his day did. And Jesus said unto them in John chapter 10 verses 34 to 36, he says, is it not written, let's look at that scripture, is it not written in your word, in your law, that God called them gods unto whom the word of God came? This is John chapter 10 and verse 34. Look at it. He said, is it, Jesus answered unto them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. Verse 35. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. How then can you say of him whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world that I blaspheme because I said I am the son of God. It was so strange they couldn't handle it. In Psalm 82 and verse 6, I want us to look at this in the Amplified. This is the scripture that I was referring to earlier. This is the scripture, scripture that Jesus Christ was actually quoting right there in John chapter 10. In, in Psalm 82 and verse 6 in the Amplified, he says, I said you are gods. This is now Elohim, Elohim, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, the Almighty God, saying unto his princes, his magistrates, his representatives on the earth, his man, you are gods. Look at what the Amplified says. Since, watch this, I said you are gods since you judge on my behalf as my representatives. You, man, you judge on God's behalf as his representatives. This is the mystery behind the scripture where the Bible says, whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you lose on earth is lose in the heaven. It says, you are my representatives. You judge on my behalf. Listen to me, child of God. You can come to a place and we are walking there. We are going there slowly and gradually. But you can come to a place in your relationship with God when God can actually use your mouth as his mouthpiece. You can, you, God can judge through you. God can speak through you. God can determine what happens, the fate and the destiny of communities and nations. He can declare it through you. God can put words in your mouth that determines the future 
of communities and families. You start with your life and start with your family. You can stand in a place and you can actually declare and you can say, this has existed in this family for so long. And right now, as God's representative, I take my place and I take my position. And I judge this, that you have no right to be in this family anymore. So from now on, stop. And that's it. When you speak it, you can come to a place where God can execute judgment and God can execute dominion through you. Principalities and powers that have been running around, running amok and, and making a show of making, you know, the reason they have such capabilities, the reason they have such, um, uh, uh, such gravitas to do some of the stuff they are doing is because the sons and the daughters of God have not shown up. That's why. This, they have not. The Bible says, the, the, you remember it says in Romans, it says that the whole creation is crying, is groaning, looking for the expression of the sons of God. They are wondering. The earth is wondering, where are God's people? Where are the people that have dominion? Where are the people that are supposed to be able to speak and determine the fate and the destiny of nations? Where are they? Why is this continuing to happen in our family? Why? Why is this simple principality? Why is this just simple demonic spirit? Why is it so glorified in our community? Where are the people who are supposed to have the authority and the dominion? The people unto whom the word of God has come. Those who within which the word of God has become flesh, who, who the glory of God has crowned, who the honor of God has crowned, those who hold in their hands the rod of the word of God, where are they? Hallelujah. That's all he's saying. Look at it. He says, I said you are God's. Since you judge on my behalf as my representatives, indeed all of you are children of the most high. Glory to Indeed, all of you are children of the Most High. There's a rule, there's a spiritual covenant rule. Every being reproduces after its kind. Every being reproduces after its kind. You see that in Genesis. The son of a lion is a lion. The son of a dog is a dog. You will never see a lion... Bearing chicken. It's not possible. It is not possible. It's a law. It's an eternal law. A lion cannot produce a chicken. It's not possible. So, a lion must produce another lion. A lion must produce another lion. Glory be to God. And, and God, God, the almighty God, cannot produce weaklings. No. He said, you see, you are the children of God. You are the children of God. In Acts of the Apostles, Paul picks up on this theme. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verses 28 and 29, Paul says, for in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. Watch this. In him we live. Who is him? Elohim. In him we live. In him we move. And in him, we have our being. That is when we move. You can come to a place, and all of us are walking there. We're going there. You can come to a place in your walk with God. 
you can come to a place in your journey with God that when you show up, because in him you move, when you show up, Satan cannot tell the difference. You, you, there will be so much light where you show up. When you show up in the midst of darkness, there will be so much light. When you show up in the midst of com- confusion, there will be so much light that Satan cannot tell who just walked into the room. For in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. And then it says in, in verse 29 of Acts chapter 17, in the very first part of it, it says, For as much then as we are the offsprings of God. Watch this. For as much then as we are the offsprings of God. And you know in First John 4, 4, the Bible says, You are of God. You are born of God, little children. In First John 5, 4, it's, it's 5, 4 and 5, it's, it's, Whatsoever, whosoever is born of God, overcomes the world. In, in First Peter, um, I, I think it's, it's true, I'm not sure, uh, whatever that verse is, it says there, you, for you were redeemed, verse 17, all the way down, for seeing you were redeemed not by corruptible things, but you were redeemed by the blood of Christ. And then he says further down, and I can't read all the scriptures because of time, then he says further down that you have been, you have been born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, by the word of God. So you are the offspring of God. And if you are the offspring of God, then you are in the God class. I like the way one Bible commentator, I like the way one, one comment, Bible commentator puts this. He says, all with the, talking about the L, the L, um, um, prefix that that defines the name of God or that describes the name of God the 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 particle of similitude i like that word the particle of similitude that is the l when god addresses you a human being as l that's where he says you are gods you are gods he is elohim he is the almighty god but you are gods on the earth you are his representative on the earth. He says you have a particle of similitude with God. You are like God. You are my representatives. You are clothed with my power and authority to dispense judgment and justice. Therefore, all of them are said to be the children of the Most High God. You are born of God. You are his offsprings. You are in the God class and you will execute dominion upon the earth and upon Pharaoh and Egypt. No plague of Egypt will have dominion over you. Let's go to Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. In Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32, the Bible says, and such as do wickedly Against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let's read it again. And such as do wickedly against the covenant... Shall he corrupt? Who is he? He is referring to one of the kings of the land at that time. 
But in our days, this he refers to the head of all principalities and powers, Satan himself. As such as do wickedly against the covenant, shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Let's talk for a couple of minutes here about the first part of that scripture. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. If you do not esteem the covenant of God in your life, you will be corrupted on this earth. If you do not prioritize the covenant of God in your life, you will be corrupted. Yes, you can be a representative of God. Yes, you can hold the rod of his authority and the rod of his dominion in your hands. Yes, yes, you can stand. And every time you stand and speak, you can declare the word of God. You can, you can do all of that and all of that is great. But the one thing that joins you hand in hand, when Paul said, in him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being, the one thing that joins you hand in hand, makes you inseparable from God, is the covenant. Whatever your name is, whatever your origin is, wherever you came from in the world, whether you are black or white or any other race, no matter who you are, the one thing that links you eternally to God, it is not your name. It's not that they, they gave birth to you and they called you a Christian name, Peter. It, it, the fact that you are called Peter does not make you eternally inseparable from God. It's not that you were born inside a church. The fact that you were born inside a church does not make you eternally inseparable from God. There is only one thing that connects you completely to God upon this earth. And you see right through the word of God, when a 17-year-old boy called Goliath, called David, showed up in the, in the, in the battlefield, he was just 17 years old. There was a huge army. There was a huge army of an entire nation that could not confront this Goliath. Only one little boy. This army was full of older people. Older men. Older women. It was full of educated people. Scientists and professors. It was full of wealthy people. Billionaires. And all sorts of, and they were all in that army. But not one of them. Somebody said, not one of them. Not one of them. Not one of them. Not one of them understood their covenant with God. Not one of them understood their covenant with God. The first time somebody confronted that good for nothing Goliath, giant for whatever he was called, was the first time a 17-year-old boy, his age did not matter. 
His age did not matter. This boy had not been trained in the army. He had not done drills. He had not enlisted. He came right out, right out of the wilderness where he was taking care of sheep. But the one thing that distinguished him from everybody else on that war front was he understood his covenant. That's why you heard him say words like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The reason he made that statement is because he understood circumcision was the mark of the covenant. We are circumcised. The reason we are circumcised is not for a religious ritual. It is because that is the mark of our covenant with God. God said unto Moses and he said unto Joshua, everyone that is in covenant with me must carry a physical mark. That physical mark was circumcision. In our day, circumcision is the blood of Jesus, is the person of Jesus. The mark of circumcision in the Old Testament is the mark of Jesus upon your life today. But they represent the covenant. When you understand your covenant with God, my friend, you are a walking expression of the power and the presence of Almighty God upon the earth. It is not your age. It is not your education. It is not how much wealth you have. It is not where you came out from. Your ethnic background. No, it is It is your covenant with God. When you understand your covenant with God, then you know that in Him we live and in Him we move and in Him we have our being. And you know that when you show up, God shows up. And you know the mountains must move. When you say move, you know the devil must shut up. When you say shut up, you know sickness must be healed. When you say healed in the name of Jesus. It is not because of you. It is not because of how tall you are. It is not because of how ugly you are. It is not because of how thin you are. It is not because of how educated you are. It is because of the covenant. The covenant makes you a walking mastery upon the earth. The covenant puts you in a class that is totally different. When Satan sees you, he quivers in his shoes. Hallelujah. He does not know how to deal with covenant people. Shout hallelujah someone. Sit down, please. And such as do wickedly, such as do wickedly against the covenant, shall he corrupt by flatteries. If you do not esteem your covenant in your life, you will be corrupted. Those who do not esteem the covenant of God in their lives will be corrupted. I want you to hear this. This is really prophetic. There is a viper of sickness and disease, financial ruin, rapid physical decadence, natural disintegration, and corruption that will plague the world in a little while from now. 
And that viper is seeking to attach itself to your life. Your only protection against this viper. The only way you are vaccinated against this viper. The only way you are inoculated against the things that the world will experience is the covenant. The covenant is your Noah's Ark. The covenant is what will carry you through the storms that will come. Through the floods that will rage. Through the fires that are bound to come. The covenant will be your only shield. The covenant will be your only protection. The covenant is your vaccine. Hallelujah. That viper is going to seek to attach itself not just to the world, but to your life. Inoculate yourself. Vaccinate yourself. Protect yourself and your family from the viper by the covenant. Get a booster shot of the covenant vaccine for long-lasting protection. There will be no escape for the people of the world from this viper. But the covenant will be your ark of protection. Your only security and your great escape. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the B part of that scripture. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Oh, Jesus. But the people that do know their God, the people that do know their God shall be strong. This year coming up is going to be a year of the fourth man for you. This year coming up, this year coming up is going to be a year of the fourth man for you. This year coming up, the fire will have no power on you. The floods will not be able to stop you. This will be a year of God-class exploits for you. Remember, in, in, um, in Daniel chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. After they heated the furnace. Remember? They heated the furnace strong. They heated it strong. They said, heat it several times more. The people who threw the three Hebrew boys into that furnace, they themselves, they died. And 
in verse 24 of Daniel chapter 3, the king Nebuchadnezzar, he said, wait a minute. Did we not throw three men inside that burning fairy furnace? He said, how come I see, watch this. How come I see four men loose, walking with no hurt? Listen to this. I see four men. We threw three men in. But how come I see four men in that furnace, loose, walking with no hurt? Daniel chapter 3 and verse 24 and 25. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and he rose up in haste and he spoke and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and they said unto the king, True, O king. Verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no heart. Watch this. And the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. The form of the fourth man is like the son of God. The fire will have no power over you. The lions will have no power over you. The viper will have no power over you. You are in covenant with God. And the fourth man will be with you in every situation. No matter how ordinary you are. And no matter how ordinary you feel. The fourth man will make you extraordinary. The fourth man will initiate you into the God class. And produce God class exploits through you. Somebody say, I'm entering into my season of the fourth man. The fourth man is God's man. The fourth man is the man who has a command over all the elements of this world. The fourth man is the one who was sleeping on a leather cushion when the storm was raging. And when he rose up, he said, peace be still. And there was peace. This year coming up will be your year of the fourth man. The fourth man will speak to that storm. Listen, the fourth man will speak to that financial ruin. The fourth man will speak. Speak to that aggravated sickness and disease. The fourth man will speak to that conundrum of a situation that the world has never experienced before. And the fourth man will speak good 
on your behalf. I want you to say this after me. Say, I am no ordinary natural person. Say, I am no ordinary or natural person. I am a supernatural, extraordinary being born of the seed of God himself and I produce after God's kind. I have the seed of God in me and I overcome the world. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Say it one more time. Say, I am no ordinary or natural person. I am a supernatural, extraordinary being born of the seed of God himself and I produce after God's kind. I have the seed of God in me and I overcome the world. If you believe it, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Glory. Sit down. Let's close. Let's close right here. Let's close right here. Glory be to God. There are things that people don't recover from. There are things that when people go through, they do not recover from. There are things that when people walk through, they don't come out of. There are things that people experience and they immediately become a part of history. But when you experience those things... God will use those situations to manifest his glory in your life. Remember he said there in um, Psalms, the 8th Psalm that we read. He has crowned you with glory and honor. No matter what happens in this life, you must come out with glory and honor. I don't think you got that. He has already crowned you. He is not about to crown you. He has already crowned you with glory and honor. As you are sitting there listening to this message today, you are wearing a crown of glory and honor. I know many times you may not see it. Sometimes you don't even feel like it. But I'm telling you, the Principalities, they know it, they see it. Satan himself, he knows it, he sees it. The only weapon that the enemy has against a believer is the believer's ignorance. When Satan blows in your ears and you jump, he knows you don't know what you have. He knows you don't know who you are. When Satan makes some noise and you begin to run, oh, he knows this one doesn't know what he's doing. Let's, let's attack him some more. The only true weapon that Satan has against the believer is your ignorance. That's why the Bible says there in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, the B part, and they that know, they that know, see, you are crowned with glory and honor, but you have to know it. The word is yada. You have to know it. You have to know it. You have to have a deep revelation of it. This deep revelation does not, does not come by you listening to me preach this message this morning. It's not going to come that way. It's not going to come that way. It's not going to come that way. The ability to walk on water. The ability to face the element and say, I dare you. Fire your best shot. Does not come from you listening to a message on Sunday morning. No, it does not. No, I'm sorry to tell you that. It does not come. It does not come from you listening to your best preacher. 
it does not come from you listening to your best sermon. No, 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 no. Your ability to look at the devil square in the eyes while the storm of life is raging, while the fires of life are burning, and to say to the devil, I dare you fire your best shot. It doesn't come by you listening to your favorite sermon. No, the word must become flesh. This is the key to the glory and the honor. You are already crowned with glory and honor. But the word must become flesh. You must know that you know that you know. I know who I am, Satan. I know to whom I belong. I am a servant of the almighty God. I dare you to fire your best shot. I know to whom I belong. I am a seed of God. I follow the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm not confused about who I am. I'm not confused about my identity. I know who I am. I am a part of the tribe of Judah. I follow the lion of the tribe of Judah. So when the devil says, when the devil says, ha, you go, ha. Ah. Why did the devil say ha? Ah, you don't run. And start having palpitations. And start shaking in your boots. And start crying. Why me? Why me? Why did the devil say ha? Ah? You say ha. Ah. That is, I dare you fire your best shot. Now, don't tell him. Don't tell him that. If the word has not become flesh, he will eat you alive. I'm telling you right now. He will eat you up alive. Don't tell him that. He will create all sorts of unimaginable storms around your life that will swallow you up. So, just when he say, ha, and you don't know your place in the covenant, run. Just run. Take off and run. Take all your children with you. Take all your children, run with them. But my friends, if you know your place in the covenant, hallelujah. If you know, ha, hallelujah. Paul said, I am not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm only moved by the word of God. I love the way he put it in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. He said, none, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Hallelujah. That I may fulfill the calling of God and the ministry that I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. And then he said in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes first the Jew and then unto the Greek for therein in verse 18 is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. I know who I am. He said when, when they were about to have that shipwreck he said and everybody was panicking. He said this night 
An angel of the God whose I am, to whom I belong, whom I serve. He spoke to me. He said, therefore, I encourage you be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. This is, this is why you can laugh in the storm. This is why you can sleep when the storms of life are raging. When it looks like you've lost everything. This is why you can stand up confidently and boldly and continue to speak the word of God. When it looks like there is no way out. When you don't know how you are going to make it to the next day. This is how you can stand up and square your shoulder and lift up your head and say I know who I am. I know who I serve. My God is alive. My God is coming through. I serve El Shaddai. I serve El Elyon. Elohim is not going to sleep. He's right here with me. Hallelujah. He said when you walk through the fires, I will be with you. When you walk through the floods, I will be with you. He said I will be with you. I will give men in exchange for your souls. It doesn't matter what is happening around you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You get up and you stand on the word of God and you you declare it and you say I know who I am I know who I am I serve God I belong to God I believe God and I believe every word that is spoke concerning me because I know my God is not a man that is should lie my God is not the son of a man that is should repent every word that is spoke I know he has the wherewithal to bring to pass in my life. Shout hallelujah someone. Shout hallelujah someone. What happens? What happens to ordinary people will happen to you. But you will have supernatural outcomes. Your natural experiences will be overcome by your supernatural outcomes. God has made you a God to the natural elements of this life. The situations of ordinary people cannot survive the situations that ordinary people cannot survive will become your stepping stone to glory testimonies. So shake off the viper into the fire of the Holy Ghost. Shake off the viper into the fire of the Holy Spirit. I want to close. I want to give us a charge as the Lord has given unto me for this ministry. As we get into our new season, he said it before, and now he's saying it again. We're all going to stand to our feet. We're going to read these two scriptures together. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 to 4. We're going to read it first in the King James, and then we're going to read it in the message. Abundant life. As we arise... And move forward into our next season. This is the word of the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Spare not. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Go to verse 3. For 
Thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentile. And make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Verse 4. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. I'm going to have you go down. Go, I think it's verse 7 where it talks about for a small moment have I forsaken you. For with great mercies will I gather you. Keep going, verse 8. Oh, hallelujah. In a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness Will I have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. I said, this is, as the, this is as the ark of Noah to me. Keep going. Keep going. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be wroth with you nor rebuke you. Keep going. Keep going. Verse 10. For the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. (laughs) Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Say the Lord that has mercy on you. Jump all the way down. I think it's verse 17. Go all the way down to 17, I think. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. You will condemn, not you will condemn those tongues. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me saith the Lord so as we go abundant life break out to the right hand and to the left one translation says don't hold back actually go all the way back there just two to four in the message just two to four don't hold back you will not come up short you will not come up short You will not be embarrassed. (laughs) You will not be embarrassed. God is with you. The fourth man. The fourth man. Listen, this message is for us corporately and for us individually. Clear lots of ground for your tents. (laughs) It's time to stop thinking small. It's it's time to stop making every decision by the help of the calculator. (laughs) 
Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. Go on to verse 3. You are going to need a lot of elbow room (laughs) for your growing family. (laughs) I'm smelling that laughing gas. Somebody brought it to church. (laughs) I told you to bring some laughing gas today. I'm smelling it strong. I'm laughing so hard. Hallelujah. I'm laughing so hard. Somebody said, Pastor, What are you laughing about, the devil? (laughs) The devil? He said you wouldn't make it. He said it's over for you. He said you are history. But God said, get more room. (laughs) Sorry, it's so funny. It is very funny. The devil said, I've trapped you. This is where you are going to be buried. This is where you are going to die. Nobody will ever hear of you again. Your story will be a story of shame and embarrassment. And a story of ridicule. But God says, son, daughter, get more room. (laughs) Hallelujah. You are going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You are, oh shh, I love this. You are going to take over whole nations. You are going to resettle abandoned cities. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't be afraid. Touch your neighbor. Say, don't be afraid. The fourth man will be with you. Say, don't be afraid. You will never be alone. The fourth man will be with you. Come on, tell them strong. Tell them you are in the tribe of the Lion of Judah. Don't be afraid. If you hear the devil say, hey, you do. Don't be afraid. You are not going to be embarrassed. No. People are never going to read the story of you sinking. It will never happen. God can never sink. You can never sink. This story will never be published. That you stepped out in faith. In covenant with Jehovah God. And then you became a laughing story. It will never happen. It will Don't be afraid. You are not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. I love it. You are not going to come up short. In the midnight hour, the fourth man will show up. When everybody concludes it's over, the fourth man well, sure. People have asked me before, Pastor, how come? Why did 
Why do you have so much boldness to do a lot of the things you do? The simple answer it's the covenant. We cannot fail, it's impossible. It is just impossible to fail. We cannot fail. That's one. But two, God has a perfect track record. You remember the six suitcases from England? You remember leaving everything in the, ta- in the stuff front and preaching our first service with conga drums as pulpit? No chair, nothing, no equipment, nothing, nothing. God has a perfect track record. Watch this. We it's impossible to fail. Now, you may have to watch for a while. My greatest frustration as a pastor is preaching and telling people what God will do for sin they don't understand it. They can't they can relate with it. It's my greatest frustration. Because when I look at what I've seen and I look at what they be, how they behave, I know they don't believe. I know they don't believe. It's my greatest frustration as a pastor. Sometimes it causes me sleepless nights. It makes me weep sometimes. When people fail to believe. Look at everything the Lord has done. He has a perfect track record. For a moment, it may look ordinary. Hear me, this is a word of revelation for you. For a moment, it may look ordinary. When the ship collapsed, and Paul and everyone on that ship with him had to swim to get to Melita, it was the perfect picture of ordinary. All of them got broken planks of wood from the ship. There was no angel that carried Paul. There was no heaven that opened where an angel just swooped down and said, yeah, everybody should swim in the water and get soaked in their clothes and be, and be wet and cold. But you are my servant, man. Angel carried him and lifted him above the water and got him to Melita. It did not happen. Like everybody else, Paul, with his passport in his little pouch, got on a plank of wood. He swam with everybody else. If you looked at him in that picture, he didn't look supernatural. He looked ordinary like everybody else. But all you needed is just keep watching. Keep watching. Because when they arrived at Melita, Everybody Melita concluded he is a God. There's nothing ordinary about that man. He's a God. They may watch it for a while. I've seen it over the years. They watch it. It's ordinary. It's just ordinary. It's just ordinary. 
Extraordinary is around the corner for you. Extraordinary. Everybody thought the end of the story was the three Hebrew boys being rescued. If they are rescued, then they serve a living God. If they are rescued, maybe just before they threw them into the fire, just before they throw them into the ah, then their God is alive. But God didn't show. Everything was ordinary until they threw them into the fire. And then everybody went to sleep. But the king got up. He said, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three people in that fire? How come I see four? They are loose. I love that they are loose. <laughs> the fire had no power on them. They are walking. They have no heart. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. My friends, it may look ordinary. This is where it gets sweet. This is where it gets, this is where it gets beautiful, amazing. It will look ordinary for a while. But suddenly, supernatural will come. Suddenly, supernatural. And the whole world will say, ha! How did you? How did you get to that? How did you arrive there? How did you? And you say, the fourth man showed up for me suddenly in the midst of the fire. Shout hallelujah, somebody. Come on, shout hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise. He deserves it. Hallelujah.